All right, so today is titled Shine, and so obviously by that kind of title, you'll know I'm going to be talking about lights, probably, let your light shine. But I lived in North Carolina for about 10 years, and before I moved here to Kentucky, and when you look into North Carolina, one thing that you will see a lot of times in the Google images and things like that is lighthouses. They are very proud of their lighthouses. They're very proud of their coast, and, and rightfully so. They are some of the most beautiful lighthouses that you will see here on Earth. But there's a more practical reason for lighthouses than just a structure to look at or admire. Who's been on a boat at night? It's pretty scary sometimes, right? You only got these little glimmers of light that you can kind of see. And I tried to find a photo or a video to like really paint that picture of what it looks like, and I couldn't find any. And I'm like, out of the millions and millions of photos that go online every day, why can't I find this? Well, try and take a picture of pitch black, and it's not much of a picture. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you got the little bit of light from your boat, but there really is nothing else. Now, I will admit, I did see a video of somebody on an oil rig just going like, hey, it's really dark, threw an orange, and it was gone. Just couldn't see it anymore, and that's how dark it is. And you're kind of staring off into this nothingness, and that's where lighthouses, they come in. They provide where there is none for boats. Maybe there's cloud cover and the moon can't shine. It's definitely nighttime, and so that's what the lighthouses do. And a lot of times, these lighthouses, those lights, they are a warning that land is near. The boater has to do something differently. They have to be cautious because they can be shipwrecked because it's very hard to see. They can be guiding. They can be navigational aid to get around when it's dark and hard to see. There are some places that will have multiple ones because the coastline, they have to navigate it in such a way. Then I also thought about this. Sometimes a lighthouse is a beacon of hope. Just imagine being lost at sea. It's dark. You're hungry. You don't know where you're going. It's just pitch black, and in a distance, you see it. You see that beacon of light filled with hope and joy because you know that land is near. Safety and security is only a little ways off. It's not far. I mean, I'm telling you what, if I was stuck on a boat stranded and I saw that light, I would be hooping and hollering. I'd be off the side paddling that water as hard as I can to get back to land. But that dread that dreary feeling, that, that pit of their stomach, I bet they feel so much differently when they see that light, that beacon of hope. And that's what this world needs. And this is what we're called to be in this world. We're called to be hope and joy for the lost and the wandering. Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world. In Matthew 5.14, says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so when I read this, and I'm thinking about this whole sermon and this whole, this, this, this whole talk, I see a lighthouse. I see a lighthouse up on a hill, shining bright, being a beacon of hope for so many people that are just lost and stranded. They're looking for a savior, and they don't know where else to go in this dark world. And this dark world needs hope. It needs Jesus. It needs light. 
And this is the way that the light shines is Jesus through us. He's telling us we are that light. We are that light and we should be shining bright for him. And we do this by our actions. We do this with our words. We do this by loving God and loving people. We do this by following the example that Jesus has given us in his word. But let's take a small piece of that scripture and I want to dive in and I want to challenge ourselves with a little bit. And it's Matthew 5.15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So it got me thinking, how often do we hide our light or we don't even turn it on? And maybe we do this because we're not confident in who we are in Christ. We're not confident with the number of scriptures we know. We're not confident in how we pray or how poorly we feel we pray. Or maybe we hide our light under a basket because we're afraid of what others might say about us. And I think that's the one that trips most of us up. We're afraid of what others are going to think, what they're going to say, what they're going to say behind our back, to our face, ridicule us, mock us. You name it, it causes us to hide that light under that basket. And let me help all of us with this before I jump into anything else. They will talk about us. They will mock us. They will persecute us. It comes with walking in the light. It comes with being light. And how do I know this? For me so. You know that song, Jesus loves me, yes I know. It's in your head now. It's stuck in there, isn't it? You're going to hate me tonight. You're trying to go to sleep and you're like, Jesus loves me. So let's take a look at the scripture. Matthew 5, 10 through 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is heaven. Blessed are you when, you when they mock you, they persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Jesus is telling us, it's going to happen because you love me, because you follow me, because you do my will, you do my ways, they will hate you. Because you belong to the kingdom of heaven and you are no longer of this world, and in normal Jesus fashion, he tells us how to deal. That's what I love. He doesn't just say, hey, this is going to happen to you and just leave you hanging. He teaches us if we just stop and listen for a little bit. So Jesus continues on and says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. Listen, it ain't going to stop. They persecuted the prophets. They hung Jesus on a cross. They're going to mock us. People are going to make fun of us. It's okay. But you know what we do? We combat it with joy and gladness. My youngest son is very easy to pick on. And I don't tell you that so you go pick on him. But my oldest would all get under his skin. My oldest, no one ever bullies him. No one ever picks on him. And the one thing that I observed about it is it doesn't bother him. He doesn't react to it. He's very numb to it. He just goes about his life. My youngest, ho, 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 ho. You say something he don't like, wailing and throwing fists and he's... You get a reaction out of it. Bullies love a reaction. The best way to combat that is just you smile and you love them. 
That's okay. I still love Jesus. We got to have that overwhelming joy bubbling over. They'll stop. What Jesus doesn't tell us to do, he doesn't tell us to retreat. He doesn't tell us to cower. He doesn't tell us to hide our light under a basket. He tells us to rejoice and be glad. For our reward is not here, but it is in heaven. And I really know that this is harder said. But that's why we say greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he that's in me. And because he is in me, I can walk with joy. I can walk with just bubbling over excitement, exceeding joy. And with Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit in us, we can endure and we can conquer any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. So let's rejoice and be glad in it and let our light shine. Don't, don't let people snuff your light out. Don't let people have you turn the lights off or put it under a basket. Let your light shine. There is a world blinded. They're wandering in the darkness that needs a beacon of hope that is Jesus. But we need to shine it out. If we don't shine it out, who will? It definitely ain't the world. It definitely ain't TV. Definitely ain't social media. Definitely not the radio. If there is going to be light in this world, it's got to be us. But we need to turn the brightness up, and we do that with joy and gladness. Not negativity. It's called the good news for a reason. Not turn and burn, doom and gloom. You're going to go to hell if you don't listen. Good news of what Jesus has done for us. And so as I was thinking about this, and God has really been putting this on my heart for a while, and one of the functions I do here uh, during the week is I'll fix things, I'll change light bulbs, I'll do kind of things like that to get away from the computer. And um, I just like to walk around and I just pray. But I was working on something and I was praying, and I'm in the back room, our storage room, and if anybody knows it, it is super dark. There's no windows. There is no light getting in that room. You open these doors, and it is just pitch black in that room. I mean, so dark that you have to pat the wall to feel where the, the, the controller is to turn the light on. It's just so dark. But as I was standing there looking for the switch, I look up at the top right corner, and I just see just a glimmer of light, just, just a little bit, because one of the ceiling tiles in another room was moved just enough to where that room there's a ray of light shooting through the darkness. And so I just was kind of patting. It probably took longer than I should have because I was staring somewhere else. And I was just thinking about that. And I was just drawn to it. I was seeing how it broke through the darkness. And then when I did finally flip the switch, the entire room lit up. Immediately, the existence of light filled the room. And I could see the darkness was gone. I could move about the room without tripping and stumbling because I could see clearly. If I tried to go in that room, you probably would be looking for me right now if I went in there in the dark. But I didn't. And so it made me think of John 11, 9 through 10. <clears throat> Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if he walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. It's a lot easier to drive, walk, cook, do anything when there is light. Well, fireworks, those are better at night. S'mores, they're better at night. There's things that we want to do at night, but you get my point, right? And why are they better? Because fireworks are light. 
they go boom. They look better in the darkness. You know, and so turning the lights on is so important for our sight, for, for where we're going, so we're not stumbling all over the place. And so this really got me thinking, and this statement just really pressed upon my heart. Darkness only exists when there is the absence of light. Let me say that again. Darkness only exists when there is the absence of light. And so if you think about this, darkness is only there out of nothingness. Light is a substance. It can be measured. We measure the brightness. We measure the speed. We measure the color of the waves. You can also measure darkness, but you measure it by measuring how little light there is, how low the lights are, how much light is not there. That's how you measure darkness. So light is a substance. Darkness is not. Darkness exists when light is absent. So take a look at Genesis 1-1-4 with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The first two verses show this. The earth was without void, and darkness existed. It's because of the absence, it's because of the void that darkness covered. Darkness existed because light was not yet created. It was absent. So darkness existed. But then in 3 and 4, God does something. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God created light. Darkness out of nothingness, light was created. And so he separates, he divides the light from the darkness. And so there's the practical sense in the scriptures of day and night, right? He divided the day and the night. But there's also the spiritual side of today. There are two kingdoms at war. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. God's kingdom or the kingdom of this world. There is a separation between the two when light was created. Light exists darkness cannot. Where light is, darkness can't. Darkness cannot take over. And so if we understand this truth and darkness exists in our life, is it not safe to assume we haven't turned the lights on in that part of our life? Think about that. What about that sin that only you and God know about? Darkness exists. And he's telling us to turn the lights on and it can't exist. That little area that we you know, it's kind of like we're a house. There's that closet. We want to keep that dirty little secret of that skeleton. That's why the closets don't have lights. It's where we want to hide the things we don't want to see. We kind of shut the door and we, want, we hope we forget about it until we crack that door open and we pull it out. Then we put it back in and we shut the door. We've got to turn the light on in that thing. And that's the way that we can deal with this sin. And sometimes we try and deal with these things on our own, but... Jesus is saying, just turn the light on. Darkness can't exist when we turn the light on. Let's take a look at John 12. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke, 
and departed and was hidden from them. Darkness flees from light. Light does not flee from darkness. You turn the lights on, what happens? Darkness goes away. You turn them off, what happens? Darkness comes in. It's the absence of light when darkness exists. And so I thought about this, that old expression of, let me turn the lights out. You have to turn the lights out for darkness to come. No one says, let me turn the darkness up. No, you go and dim the lights, you turn the lights out, and then it gets darker in the room. So if we apply that to our spiritual life too, it's like, man, I got this area in my life that isn't quite living like Jesus has asked me to. We got to turn the lights on on that thing. We got to stop giving it power because it don't have power. It cannot consume you. It only consumes you because we let it. We got to take a flashlight out. I don't care. Take a little Bic lighter. If this room was completely dark and I had a little Bic lighter, guess what? All of our eyes would be following it. And then get another Bic lighter until you get a bonfire. Let's get that light going. And so you're probably like, all right, John, you're talking a whole lot, a lot about lights. You're going like, to get to the filaments and you're going to talk about the science. I'm not going to get that deep, okay? But what is this fuss about being light? Well, we live in this dark and fallen world that needs hope. It needs a savior. And we have that light inside of us just waiting to be shared. We got we to gotta take the covers off. We got to turn it on. And this, all this has just really made me think about the people in the world that have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. They're great people, but darkness. You're either part of the kingdom of God or you're not. There's no walk in the line, well, you know, I didn't really choose. Not choosing is a choice. And unfortunately, we're giving people, we're not giving people an option because we're not sharing. We're not being light. We're not sharing that love of Jesus with people. And if people don't believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord, they belong to the kingdom of darkness. And I, I know that seems harsh, right? Because it's like, they're the nicest person in the world, John. How, how can you say that? Because the Bible tells me so? I mean, I don't know what other way to say it, but I think sometimes we forget that even the nicest person in the world, and it's like, man, they don't need Jesus. They need Jesus. If they don't have Jesus, they need Jesus. It doesn't matter what kind of morals or how they carry themselves. If you don't have Jesus, you need Jesus. You can be the nicest person in the world, but you're still part of the kingdom of darkness until you accept Jesus. I, I hate to say it that way, but that's just how it is. So how do we help our loved ones? Well, be light. Don't hide it. Share it. We share the love of Christ each and every time we can. We shine it bright from the highest point we can reach so all can see. Whatever your platform is, is it the break room? Share Jesus. You know, I, I love Derek. You know, he, he 100% will tell you, hey, my ministry is at the break room. He loves just small little groups and he talks about Jesus. I think, did you get Dustin to come here? Oh, I was going to say, I, I don't want to thank you. For, I'm not thanking you for that. <laughs> it's a joint effort. But he shared Jesus where he was at. That's our platform. Get up from that, get on that cliff and shine light. 
So the world can know Jesus by our words, by our actions, by our good deeds, not by our denominational philosophy. That's the one question I get asked a lot. It's like, well, what, what denomination are you, Jesus? I, I mean, I don't want to get into a debate about what we disagree on. I want to talk about what we agree on, and that's the good news, and that's Jesus and the saving power that only can come through him. Or the buildings that we come into, because it's like, hey, as long as the church is good, we are the church. We got to take it out. We got to go love people. We got to share the gospel and the good news, and we're supposed to take it out. This is an equipping ground. And then we go out and we share the good news, and then you know what? We bring them back here because then it's an infirmary. You get equipped for war, you go out, you, you take the wounded, and you bring them back. Then they get healed up, they get equipped, and then they go and do the same thing. We keep reaching people. And so I want to share a quick story that ties all this in. And I will tell you, I missed it a little bit here. And, and you guys, anybody that's heard me talk before, I, I always kind of talk about my failures up here sometimes, a lot of times. But I think we can learn from them, right? We got to be vulnerable to say, I, I missed it, y'all. I, I, mean, I do. And so a few weeks ago, I had some work being done at my house. And it was a husband and wife team, uh, super nice people. I never met them before. Um, I hired another company, but they were subcontracted. So I never met these guys before. Great people. They were, they were super nice. And while they were working, I had this nudge to tip them after the job was done. Okay, I, I've talked to you all about like how giving is one of those things that God like has just revealed to me and I'm usually pretty good about it. Not this day. I will tell you not this day. I fought the feeling and I felt I was justified because I'm like, they're being paid well. I know how much they're being paid because I'm paying it. Even though it's subcontracted, I know what's, what's happening. And then I also I was like, well, if they're getting paid this well, will they be offended? Like I'm saying, like, they don't make enough money. And I, excuse after excuse after excuse just kept coming out of my mouth. So after seven hours of them working, the job was done, showed me the work. They shook my hand and said, it was an absolute pleasure to work with you. Then the wife handed me this letter and said, I want you and your family to have these, smiled and said, God bless you. My mind was racing, because I'm like, what the heck just, just ha happened? Now, mind you, God told me to give them something, and I'm holding back, and she hands me this letter. And so, as they're packing up their tools, I go back in the house, and I, I rip open one of the letters, because I think we got like five or six of them, and I, I read the first one. And immediately, I could tell right away what it was about. She was, they were all unique letters. They were all different. And it was letters written to show the beauty of God through various different things. There was one about a string, uh, one about the sky, open fields, but just seeing God's fingerprint in everything around us. But in short, she was sharing the gospel with me. And the Lord quickly corrected me and placed on my heart, John, the money I wanted you to give them was from me and not from you. It's because she does this good work in my name. Talk about a humbling day. So I'm in there crying because I'm like, I missed it. But I'm, I'm watching this love from this woman. 
And then I'm like, man, God, like how stubborn am I sometimes? Like, did I have to have that explanation to give or should I just foul the nudge when he gives it to me the first time? And so I'm crying. I'm trying to collect myself. And I don't cry often, y'all. I really don't. Amanda thought I was a heartless monster when we first got married because there's not much that gets me choked up. There's a few things, and I remember the one time she saw me, like, ugly cry, and it was because it was God-related. I mean, it's just like the Holy Spirit comes over, and I'm, I'm snotting everywhere, and I mean, I, it, it's, it's an ugly cry. Sometimes she's like, John, you need to show compassion. I'm like, I'm trying. But so I, I collect myself, and I thought about how much she loved me and others, that she wanted to share the freedom that only he can give. She doesn't know who I am. She didn't know anything about me. But all I know is that she was joyful when she handed those letters to me. She was doing a good work. She was being light. And then it got me thinking, I can really count on one hand how many times this has happened to me. And why is that? My story is a little bit different than some people. They grew up in the church, and that's how they got to know God. Now, I married Amanda, so she brought me to church, but even still, no one had ever walked me through accepting Jesus as Lord of my life. So I was just kind of existing in church until one day a woman, where I was working, she was the customer, and I'm the employee, and she just said, God told me that you haven't done this yet. And right then and there on the front counter, I was a manager at McDonald's, we're by the shake machine. She's leading me to Jesus. Y'all, I'm going to a church, and I still wasn't walked to Jesus. And here's this woman. And so I'm thinking about how many times I can count on my hand with the number of Christians on the planet. I really kind of think we shouldn't be able to count how many times someone has shared the love and the good news with me. I mean, if we truly believe there is light and darkness, heaven and hell, then shouldn't we fight like hell to keep everyone from going there? Let me rephrase that. Because hell has already lost the battle, shouldn't we fight like Jesus to keep people from going to hell? Do what he has done. Follow the example that he's given us. So I run downstairs, I grab my checkbook because I'm like, they're still out there loading up their, their tools. I'm like, all right, God, I almost missed it. You had to hit me by, with a two-by-four, but I still got it. So I go down there. I write them a check. They're confused because they don't understand why I'm standing by the check. I extend my hand, and I said, I want you to have this. And they protested and said, no, we get paid well for this work. It, it's not necessary. My excuse was justified, y'all. <laughs> See? I knew they got paid and they would have been offended. And I mean, really, sincerely, like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We get paid really, really, really well. Like, no. I mean, they protested very difficult. And I said, and I'm going to share this because I don't speak like this. I said, let me correct myself. You don't know this about me. I said, but I am a pastor and God wants you to have this. I was struggling because he told me earlier to give to you and I didn't understand why, but now I do. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, daughter, you are doing a good work and bold work in his name. And he is proud of you. And you also touched my heart when you did this. This is not for the work you have just done for me today, but for the work you are doing for him. 
you should have seen both of their faces. You should have seen my face. I, I, I mean, I never see this kind of stuff happen. And she did this with joy. She did it with gladness. She was prepared everywhere she went to share the love of Christ. They took it reluctantly. I mean, they were still trying to fight me. And I'm like, listen, they're like, you're a pastor. You don't make much money. I'm like, I know. <laughs> That's okay. I said, it's not mine to give. I said, I'm telling you right now, if he puts, it's his. Just trust that God's going to take care of it. I said, but he wants me to bless you because of what you've been doing. And they finally took it. I mean, reluctant. I, I need to check my account to make sure they even cashed it. Because, I mean, that's how much I'm like, they were reluctant to take it. And I remember walking away, and I could hear her go, how awesome is God? Mm. It's not often that we get that glimmer of, good job, from God. But I'm glad I was able to do that. Now, she was being light that day. But I believe I was being light as well. Now, God had to smack me up the head and tell me to turn it on. And he had to give me the whole plan because otherwise I'm stubborn and rebellious. Can we all say that we can do that sometimes? We miss it. So I had to take the basket off. But you know what? She blessed me more than I blessed her that day. Because my, my heart grew ten times bigger for the lost. And I just thought about this woman, how many people she's handed letters to and done things like that. And I don't share this to say yay me, because believe you me, I, I missed it, and I could have almost missed it. I mean, if I didn't write check out faster, I probably would have. But I almost missed that opportunity to bless somebody else that's doing a good work for God. Sometimes that's what you're going to be called to do. That's okay. Be that. Then you're going to be the ones that are going to be out there planting seeds. Then plant your seeds. Some of you are going to be the ones that water seeds. Water seeds. But if we keep the lights turned out, we ain't going to do any of it. Because we're going to cower back to every time darkness pushes us back. The battle has already been won. We just got to turn the lights on. And so it impacted me so much. And I said this to myself. This woman loves me so much more than I love her. It's a humbling statement. Because she's over here trying to bring me to Jesus. And she was prepared. More prepared than I am sometimes. I think many of us too. She was okay with someone making fun of her, ridiculing her, scoffing, throwing away the letter. But isn't all of that worth it if she hands out a thousand letters, but one, just one person says yes to Jesus? I think, I think it says it somewhere that there's a party up there. They're celebrating when one person turns. Hmm. Just might be in there, for the Bible said so. <laughs> so, I think in church, I think many of us, we're sleeping on the job. We're taking it easy. We're sitting back on the mission that Jesus has for us. We got comfortable, right? We feel good. We come in on a Wednesday. We come in on a Sunday, and that's our church. But what about on the job? What about at the grocery store? What about the person that told you you were number one in traffic? They need Jesus. They need love. They need the light to be turned on. And that's only going to come from us. And so we got to stop dimming the lights. We got to stop hiding them. And we got to shine for him. 
So as I start to wind this down, I, I have a short video because you heard my personal story that just happened a few weeks ago of where this came from. And this video, I watched this a couple of years ago. And it's about five minutes long, and it's from a magician named Penn. You're probably like, who's Penn? Well, Penn and Teller. If you know anything about Penn, Penn is a self-proclaimed atheist. And in this video, he shares a story of when he was given a New Testament and Psalms Bible. And I want you to pay particular attention when you listen because he doesn't come to know Jesus. I believe a seed was planted, but I want you to hear how he talks about the man that gave it to him. I want you to hear the words that he uses, watch his facial expression, and really experience it. You see a conflicted person talking to the camera. And so we might not see that person come to Jesus right in front of us, but we got to know we planted a seed and that we shined a light. And so, Paul, if you go ahead. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show. And uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and... Um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And... Uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice insane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible 
And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. We would all love to hear the story, right? We would all love to see him accept Jesus and, and do that. And, and I think a lot of times we cower back and we don't share the gospel, we don't share the good news because we're afraid to get a response like that. But did you see him be complimentary? You know, it touched him. It, it, it changed him and he doesn't realize it. And I think a lot of times the fear is just built up in our own head. Here is he going, man, he just truly cares about me. He truly loves me. And I think he was harsh in some of the ways he said things, but that man that day, he planted a seed. He shared the good news. He has done what it was asked by Jesus. And in my opinion, how the atheist, Penn, talks about him, he did a really well, good job. This wasn't his first time doing it. He was confident. He was bold. He was able to look him in the eyes. But the one thing that was really interesting is that Penn just kept saying positive things about him. You kept hearing him say he was just a really good guy. You know why he's saying that is because he probably came across people that do weird things. And we're pushy or we're negative or we say, turn or burn. Turn or burn is not good news. Jesus is good news. So Penn saw light in action. He saw something he had never encountered before. And you really do see him struggle with this encounter with this believer that's walking in light because it's something about him. Man, when you have that light of Jesus shining out of you, people can't explain it. They're just like, they're, there's just some. He was kind. He was saying he was just genuine. Talk to him for a couple minutes and he's like honest, genuine. He's saying all of these things. How does he know about them? 
because he felt something different. And that's what happens when we turn up and we are light. People are just like, I don't know what's happening, but it's different. You're just not feeding me some lines. It's true, genuine love, compassion, and good news being shared because he was light that day. It's the goodness of God. Over and over, we kept hearing genuine, kind, honest, really, really good guy. But I think this is the line that impacts me the most when he shares. He doesn't get upset when someone shares the gospel with him. He sees it, that this man loved him and truly cared for him. I don't know about y'all, but I can push pride to the side when I, when I can walk up to someone and be like, this is how I show you love. I believe that there is a heaven and a hell, and I do believe in the saving power of Jesus, and I want to share that with you because I love you, because I care for you. Man, this is going to cut through the pride. Make fun of me. It's okay. I don't care. I still love you. That's the difference. Is he said religion does a lot of bad things. He's not wrong. Religion does do a lot of bad things. Relationship doesn't. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with one another, that changes people. Not religion. And if we truly believe that there is a heaven and hell, and Jesus is the only way to heaven, how much do we have to hate someone to not share Jesus with others? Now, I think that's an extreme way that he put it. I get why he put it that way. I put it this way. I believe our fear, our pride, is much greater than our love for others, and it stops us from sharing. It overwhelms us, it takes us, and we, we, we just can't. Or maybe we're not prepared, right? Because we just haven't put the time or effort behind it. We come in our Christian bubble, and we stay in our Christian bubble. Well, our, we're supposed to go outside the Christian bubble and pull others into that Christian bubble. Keep them in that bubble, keep them safe, and then we got to let little birdies fly. Go bring more Christians. And it just makes me think, what if we loved others to this point that we let our light shine? We can mend past hurts from churches. Y'all, we hurt people. We say the wrong thing, we do the wrong thing, that's what happens. But the saving power of Jesus can mend that. It's the only thing that can mend that relationship with the son can mend that but we got to share the good news we got to share the message of salvation and we share that good news by turning on the lights and i got one more scripture and then i'm going to wind this thing down and so let's take a look we're going to take a look at luke 3 or not luke 3 but there's three parables in there and, and two of them are probably more preached on than the one i'm going to talk about and so we know about the, the parable of the 99 and the 1, right? We hear that a lot. We also hear about the prodigal son. But I want to talk about the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I told you it was in the Bible. And I love the simplicity of this story. She is missing something. So she turns the lights on. She looks all over until she finds it. And then what does she do? She celebrates. 
And this isn't about a lost coin. This is about people that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son so that they would know everlasting life. We are the lamp in that story. God wants all of his children to turn to him, but they are lost and wandering in the darkness. Well, what do we got to do for darkness? We got to allow our light to shine brightly, search the room and do so carefully. We will find what we seek. We will see a dark world illuminate as we shine our light out for him. We may not always see the fruit of our labors, but know that seeds are planted and will be watered and will grow. Keep praying for it. This is, not, this is an intentional act. It's not by accident. It's not just going to happen. We got to do something. We got to intercede. We got we to do what Jesus did. Jesus interceded for us. We got to intercede for others. Bring him to Jesus, who is the great interceder for all of us. So let us not be concerned what people are going to say about us. The only thing that we have to lose by being light and sharing the gospel is our pride, our fear, social awkwardness, all of those things. But those aren't from God. That's from our enemy. And light, we don't have to accept it. Because when we turn the lights on, darkness flees from us. And it can be hard, tough, awkward, weird, but practice makes permanent. And I shared earlier about the letters I received, and I'm not saying go and write letters. That's not, I don't want everyone to go and I'm going to write letters. We ain't all going to do the same thing. God has called us all to do different things. Some of us have a gift of gab. Believe you me, I work in an office with three girls. I get it. I love my wife. <laughs> I'm saying we should do something. So we need to get before God and ask him how should we respond. Get in the word and follow the examples that Jesus and the disciples have left us. And then we practice. Because practice makes perfect. The more we do it, the easier it becomes. The more natural we are with our approach. We need to choose a life that outlives ourselves. We can't just live for the moment. we got to live for him. We do by being light and shining bright for him. His will, his ways, and pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the great Redeemer. We can't keep it a secret or hold it captive within these four walls of this building anymore, church. we got to be the church and take it out. So the question is, when we leave here today, will we pull back and hide the lights under a basket? Or will we turn the brightness up and shine bright for him? And when opportunity arises, because when we leave here and if we have expectation that we will have opportunities placed before us, they will come, they will present themselves, will we turn the lights out out of fear? Or will we shine bright so the lost can see the freedom and that rescue is near, that they just need to follow the light? So church, if you would pray, and we'll get out of here for tonight. Father God, thank you for this day, Lord. And I know talks like this can sometimes be weighty, especially if, if we're not living that example. And Lord, I know a couple weeks ago, this, this was my sermon first. It hit me hard, Lord. It showed me that I had an area of my life that I was neglecting. And that's sharing the good news, Lord. And that's not just sharing the good news in my words, Lord, but that's my actions and being light everywhere I go, Lord. And, and, and not cowering and hiding because I'm afraid of what other people are going to say. But Lord, as we leave here today to remember these words, help us to, to recall the scriptures tonight so lord that when we leave here today 
that you do put opportunity in front of our path, Lord, that we get to share the good news and the gospel with our friends, our families, our coworkers, everyone that comes in our path, that they're going to come up, they're going to come across and be like, there's something different about you. They're not going to know what it is, but we know what it is. It's that light that's shining out of us because of you that is in us, Lord. And so, Lord, we want that light to shine bright and that the darkness flees from us, Lord. That we, everywhere we would go, darkness would flee and lightness would reign. And so, Lord, we just love you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Love you guys. You guys have a great night. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.